And Luke's here. Hi. How's it going? It's all doing great. I'm very impressed, Taylor, that you are, are singing with all impressed that. With me. Uh, uh, it's the first time since we've been together that I've been impressed by. No, but we spent all weekend together at the men's retreat. Guys, how many of you were there out there with us this weekend? Had a great time. So much fun. 51 guys out there worshiping Taylor and Garrett Lettison worship. It was an awesome, awesome experience. Here's a few photos. Look at those handsome gentlemen. John with the arm. John, <laughs> making sure everyone knew, make sure everyone knew he was back there. It was a great time. A couple of, there's where we had our meals. Connected, super grand old time. Super fun. If you weren't able to be there, maybe next year could be your chance. It was a great, great, great opportunity to hang out and bond. Had some good small group time. Yep. I'm sore from basketball. There's a few of us that. Yeah, I took a nap. You took a nap. I'm going to be honest. It's fine. It's okay. I feel like I spent, I mean, it's a quick retreat, but I feel like I was eating or sleeping. That was kind of the retreat for (laughs) me. Or singing. You sang some of it. Yeah. Well, and singing. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, it was a great time, though. We had a really uh, an awesome experience. Thank you for those that participated. Uh, we want to thank those of you that support everything that's going on at this church. We wanted to announce that last week, we uh, our team, this church, uh, raised $1,800 through our pancake breakfast for our youth that are going on their mission trip this summer. So that's awesome. Come on. And delicious. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you were I there. I smelled it. Actually, my friend Jim brought me one. <laughs> okay, that's the good. Thanks, the service, Jim. So. That's great. Um, yeah, and if you want to continue to support what's going on here at church, support things like the men's retreat, things like the youth working, we do have a few ways for you to give to the church. And we had one other invite that we wanted to make of you this week, especially on Thursday. We're praying that the rain is all going to go away and that we're going to have a great time doing our drive-through prayer, which is an annual event that we get a chance to open up our parking lot for people to come through for 12 hours throughout the day. You know, we hear stories of people like driving back and forth like multiple times trying to decide and then finally coming through and receiving prayer. There's still spaces open for those of you that might want to participate in that. You got an email about it this past week. Just go online, contact one of us, contact the church. We will get you signed up because that's a super, super powerful event. Yeah. Can we go back to the give slide? I just want to say something. Yeah. Like this, you guys, this is critical. It, It feels like it's just a constant thing, right? That we're just always trying to be reminded of like ways to give, serve, and man, the generosity of this church completely blows my mind. Mm-hmm. And I think about things like this men's retreat uh, and youth retreats and uh, even the women's retreat. A lot of our uh, places to plug in and areas for people to get involved and engaged and to become known uh, happens at events like the men's retreat. Mm-hmm. And finances aren't always in line with the things that we want to do. Um, and so I just want to say like this, because of the constant giving, people get to go to those things that maybe otherwise would say, no, mm-hmm. I, I can't do it. Um, I don't have the funds right now. Uh, and not just retreats, but a lot of the things that are happening as a church um, are, are happening because of you and because of us and because of the generosity and the the willingness to like consistently provide prayer and financial support uh, so that space can be created for people to become known and ultimately so that we can all spend time getting to know God. Mm-hmm. That is why we gather uh, mm-hmm. in these these areas and these events. Um, so this like, we, we slide over it pretty quickly often, right? But that's like, this makes things happen. Totally. And, yeah. and God can yeah. work without money, right? He's super good at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he invites us into 
this kind of stuff, and it's it's actually part of our worship. It's part of our, our sacrifice, our mm-hmm. giving, mm-hmm. Uh, knowing that we're not here just for us. We are here for the glory of God. Uh, and something as small or even as big, if it feels big, uh, as giving um, leads to that. So I just want to say thank you, right? Thank yeah. you that you help provide space for people to get plugged in, for people to know and meet each other, which is something that happened this weekend. So mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. It only takes a couple hours and you get to know somebody. Um, but it's beautiful when we come together as a church, support something like that, and create that space. So keep it up, you guys. Thank you. Yeah, well said. Thanks, man. Thanks, thanks for leading us today. Appreciate it. Um, yes, awesome, awesome. <laughs> Grateful for the whole crew. Okay, uh, it's a privilege to be here um, today. This is my first time preaching with you all, so I'm super excited about that. It's going to be very fun. And I want to start with, um, I need two volunteers, okay? Preferably, um, preferably of the extroverted variety. Um, maybe two guys, anyone willing? Um, thank you. Perfect. Come on up. Anyone else? Anyone else? We got, we're being volunteered. Nick, it's your day. It's your day. All right. Come on up, Nick. That's perfect. Voluntold. Come on up, gentlemen. Come on up. Welcome them. Give them a warm round of applause. That's great. Okay. I'm going to have, uh, Peggy, if you could stand right here. Beautiful. And Mr. Nick, if you could stand right here, lovely. We're going to spend just a few minutes getting to know these guys, okay? So uh, if you can introduce yourself, tell us your name. My name is Paige Jamili, and uh, I've been attending Wise Out of Free for 16 years. 16 years, that's awesome. And tell us your name. I'm Nick Krause, it's just a little over a year attending here. Awesome, that's great, just over a year, that's great, welcome. welcome. And you're engaged, right? Yes. If you got, you're, okay, perfect, yeah. perfect, <laughs> love it. Well, we're going to spend a few minutes just getting to know these guys. So, Peggy, tell me, uh, like, what do you do for work, professionally? Um, did you grow up in this area? Just some of those basics about you. Well, I'm a realtor, so if everybody's looking to sell their house. Okay, wow. <laughs> no, that's amazing. That is shameless right there. We love uh, that. Right. That's perfect. Perfect. Uh, take pride in my work. That's great. No, uh, yeah, love it. <laughs> Um, but I was, uh, uh, I live in Plymouth, just a uh, very short distance to uh, church, but I was born and raised in Iran. Okay. Came uh, to the United States uh, when uh, uh, I was uh, 11 and a half years okay. old. Okay. Born and raised a Muslim and uh, became a Christian later in life. Amazing. Amazing. Thanks for sharing. That's incredible. That's awesome. And how about your family? I think you have some family here, right? Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about yeah. them? Oh, yeah. Give them a little whoop whoop right there. there. Love my it. wife, Julie, awesome. my awesome. mother-in-law, sister-in-law, brother-in-law, nie- the two nieces. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Which one is yeah. your favorite of the family that's in uh, Who do you like the best? My wife. Your wife. That, that was the right answer. That was the right answer. That's very good. That's, and Peggy, you were on the men's retreat with us. Anything stand out to you? Anything that you uh, most appreciated about it, the experience or the speakers? You know, it's, uh, uh, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit works uh, because, uh, and I told my, my group uh, that we were in that three times I almost did not come. Hmm. Hmm. And... Uh, I am so glad that I was, I went. It's the decision to sign up was by my wife uh, asking me. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Perfect. Uh, Love it. 
uh, are you going? I yeah. said, no, I got something going on. And she goes, what? And I looked at my calendar and I couldn't tell her what. So, uh, <laughs> uh, whatever that was in my thought that was there, it wasn't there. So, they keep that calendar updated, man. Yeah. Gotta, so, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, uh, a couple of different incidents happened throughout and I almost canceled my, re- my, uh, uh, and, uh, and then, uh, I get a text from, uh, Rory saying, hey, uh, are you coming? Or do you want to be, uh, help out to be a leader, uh, leader, group leader? And I just couldn't say mm-hmm. to, uh, no to mm-hmm. him either. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, very flexible. We appreciate so, that. That's great. That's great. I love it. So, but, uh, what I loved about it, I love con- connecting with, uh, uh, our guys and, uh, um, every time that I go, uh, something moves within me that makes me realize what a, uh, tremendous family we have here, tremendous body of Christ, uh, the impact of, uh, and the wisdom and the knowledge, uh, um, that exists and the experiences, whether it was, uh, a, um, someone brand new to our church or someone uh, that has been here and and been uh, following Christ mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. Uh, longer than I have. Yeah. And uh, uh, you can't get that anywhere else. Yeah. You know, yeah. when we're here during the week, we don't have opportunity to talk to each other, right. you know, uh, um, and... Uh, but when we're at the yeah. men's retreat, uh, we are able to connect on a personal Absolutely. level. And, Absolutely. uh, and that's what brought me to Christ is that personal relationship mm-hmm. with, that I have with God. And I, now I can have that with other men that have the same belief, uh, belief and that bond totally. will be totally. forever. Totally. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Awesome. That's great. Way to go. Way to go. Well, thank you. Um, Hizji, I feel like I really got to know you a little bit better. I think the church got to know you a little bit better through just these few minutes that we got to talk. So thank you. Uh, appreciate Thanks for it. not having me sing. I yeah, mean, that's he didn't. He didn't do it uh, during the that's men's great. retreat. I had to do it. That's great. Okay, well, it's nice to meet you guys. It was a pr- pleasure to meet you guys. That was awesome. Thank you for um, your time. It was wonderful to get to know um, both of you. Um, I really feel like we got to know... Well, okay, so the illustration... Sorry, Nick. <laughs> Here's the illustration. Uh, Pastor Kevin has been talking about, um, as we've gone through this Get Wise series through Proverbs, he's been talking about an interactive relationship with God. And sometimes what um, we'll hear people talk about as they're trying to figure out their relationship with God is, well, I just, don't, I just don't feel like I can hear God. I feel like I don't know what God wants. And so the natural question that goes through your mind is, well, have you been interacting with him? Because in this case... Just like in a human relationship, we really got to interact with Peji for a few minutes here and got to know him, right? And just because I, I knew Nick's name and just because I knew he was there, we didn't really learn anything about him, did we? Right? We didn't really get to know him because we didn't take the time to do that. Maybe another time. Sorry, Nick. We don't have time now. Sorry. So we're moving on. <laughs> 
But sometimes we give God the cold shoulder because we've got so much else going on and then we start getting frustrated that we don't know him, right? And so the whole idea of this proverb series is about interacting with God so that we can deepen our relationship with him, okay? I'm going to ask you all to stand. I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump into Proverbs 6 today and we'll read that, okay? Father God, just am so thankful that we get to be here gathered today. Grateful that we're in a place where we can freely worship you. And God, I pray that each of us would have an open heart and an open mind to hear what it is that your Holy Spirit has to say to us in this moment. God, so, so grateful for the wisdom that you provide through your word and through your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus. And so teach us now. Amen. Proverbs 6, stay standing. Sorry, stay standing. Thank you as we read Proverbs 6 as we do. Almost lost you there for a minute. Okay, here we go. First 15 verses of Proverbs 6. My child, if you have put up security for a friend's debt or agreed to guarantee the debt of a stranger, if you have trapped yourself by your agreement and are caught by what you said, follow my advice and save yourself, for you have placed yourself at your friend's mercy. Now swallow your pride. Go and beg to have your name erased. Don't put it off. Do it now. Don't rest until you do. Save yourself like a gazelle escaping from a hunter, like a bird fleeing from a net. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. What are worthless and wicked people like? They are constant liars, signaling their deceit with a wink of an eye, a nudge of the foot or the wiggle of a fingers. Their perverted hearts plot evil and they constantly stir up trouble but they will be destroyed suddenly, broken in an instant, beyond all hope of healing. The word of the Lord today. Wow. You can have a seat. A strong message, hopefully something that each of us can take something away from this morning. And here's the illustration I want you to have on top of interacting with God, as you saw between these two gentlemen up here. I also want to have you uh, have in your mind's eye the illustration of a little three-and-a-half-year-old named Levi who uh, consumes the vast majority of the noise and attention in my house, okay? And I want you to imagine uh, if you've had a, a child of your own, a three-year-old of your own, if you've interacted with a three-year-old ever in life, I want you to imagine the way that they function as they're constantly jumping between different things that they're playing with, constantly trying to learn how to do new things. Their hands are all over everything, grabbing, doing all these different things. And oftentimes we find that our three-year-old, I don't know about any of yours, our three-year-old has this tendency to uh, instantly assume that he can't do something. And instantly, as soon as something gets hard, as soon as something gets challenging, he instantly asks for help. And uh, as that's happening, we've kind of picked up this little proverb in our house uh, of our own. And we always say to Levi, Levi, we need you to be a problem solver, not a problem maker. He doesn't like that very much. But we're trying to challenge him to figure out ways to find solutions to his own problems. Levi, be a problem solver, not a problem maker. And I want to lay that over Proverbs 6 for us today as you think about the various problems in your life. 
that God's wisdom today might just be calling us, each of us, to be a little more diligent in being problem solvers and a little bit less of being problem makers, okay? We're going to do this in three sections. The first section is verses 1 through 5. is a pretty distinct idea if you're following along in your Bibles. It talks about us being trapped. And so the theme of when we are trapped, when I'm trapped, the word here uh, in a, a more specific translation would say snared. If you imagine being snared by some vines or some ropes or something, being tangled up in something. And so for you, maybe you have found yourself today trapped in a house payment or a car payment that you just can't quite afford. Or maybe you found yourself trapped in some sort of secret sin or some sort of bad habit. Maybe you have trapped yourself in loyalty to a company or loyalty to a relationship which just isn't worthy of your loyalty. Maybe you found yourself trapped in your overcommitment as you go out and try to be Wonder Woman or Superman in this world. We have this funny way of getting ourselves trapped into different problems. The biblical idea here that they're talking about is this concept called surety, surety. And the idea is that one commentary I read described it this way, that this idea of surety wasn't really like loaning someone money. Or it wasn't exactly like consigning on a loan. In modern financial terms, it was more like guaranteeing someone an open line of credit. Guarantee that you would back someone's open line of credit. So this would be like you going to my bank and saying that you were going to back me on anything that I can't afford to pay back. Which would be really dumb on your part. Because before you can blink an eye, I would have a Tesla and a theater room and you'd be having the bank knocking on your door wondering why it can't get paid back, right? Now, it's not that common of a practice. It's not addressed in other parts of the law as diligently, but it was clearly something that took place back in biblical times, something that would happen. And it's very much a condemned practice here because the reality is, is that by backing someone financially like that, you are essentially trapping yourself. And if you can't get yourself out of that trap, then you could be in some serious, serious trouble. And so it says in verse 5, it says, save yourself. Be a problem solver, not a problem maker. Save yourself. And so as you look at the trouble that you maybe have gotten caught up in lately in life, whether that be financial debt or some sort of sphere web of lies, whether it's an unhealthy friendship, whatever it might be, it might be time to ask yourself this morning, what tools has God given you? What tools has God instilled inside of you that you could apply with some effort to get out of this mess, to save yourself from the trap that you've landed in? An example of this in my life is uh, the transition that Hillary and I went through just a, a few months ago was out of a situation that it, I was I was doing a ministry role that I very much felt like a round peg in a square hole. It just it just wasn't quite jiving, wasn't quite working, and so we started to pray to God, Lord, we feel a little bit trapped here. We feel a little bit trapped, and, and because I have an incredibly wise and discerning wife, we had lots of good conversations around that. And because God has been really good to us in helping us to understand a little bit about the church world, he led us to this opportunity, what we're doing here today. And he has given us the privilege of getting out of a situation that felt uncomfortable into now a church where we feel extremely, extremely welcomed and we feel valued and we feel connected and we're very, very, very grateful to be here. It, 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 in some senses, God led us out of what felt a bit like 
a trap. And so if you're trapped or snared, it might be time to confront that problem head on and consider the people and the resources and any past experiences, your spiritual gifts that you have in your life and start trying to work out a solution. It says in verse four, don't put it off. Don't rest until you do. Do it now. This is simple and practical advice, but essentially it's saying the longer you wait, the more problems you might be creating. When I bought my first house, there was a pastor in my life that said, you know, if you start to notice a problem, a little drip or a little leak or a little crack in the walls or anything, he said, take care of it now because just you watch. If you don't do something about it, it's going to get worse. You guys ever had that problem in your house, right? So it is with the other areas of our life. It may seem small now. It may seem manageable now, but if you don't do something to try to work through a solution, you might just find yourself in a bigger mess. And it says to do this quickly, like a gazelle fleeing from a hunter, like a bird fleeing from a net. Here's an illustration, a visual for you guys to have in your minds of the gazelle getting away from the hunter, the cheetah. The gazelle can run about 50 miles an hour. The cheetah can run about 70 miles an hour. So that gazelle has to be ready has to be ready to always pounce and get out of that situation. That is what God is calling us to do with the problems that we have found ourselves trapped in in life, is to quickly get out of the mess to be problem solvers. Okay. The second section of this uh, part of Proverbs that we're talking about is verses 6 through 11. And here we're talking about laziness. It's that lazy bones term, Right? It says in verse 6, Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. Here's another nature illustration for you. You probably have heard these, but here's some fun facts about ants today. Ants can lift some of them up to 50 times their body weight. They don't really sleep. I had to Google, do ants sleep? Okay. Ants don't really sleep. They, they take power naps throughout the day, apparently like these like eight-minute power naps. Okay. Uh, fire ants, one of the 12,000 species of ants, fire ants cause about $3 billion in damage every year to different facilities. Ants can be found on six out of the seven continents all across the world. And it is estimated, I don't know who in the world could estimate this, estimated that there are one million ants for every human alive. <laughs> That's impressive and terrifying, right? That's amazing. It's amazing. But you, verse 9 says, but you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? Now, here's a poll for you, a question. Um, if I was to say that going into tomorrow, work is canceled, whatever school is all canceled, you can sleep as late as you want. No one's going to bother you, no sunshine, nothing. You can sleep as late as you want. How many of you would still wake up at 6 a.m.? How many of you would wake up sometime around 7 or 8 a.m.? How many of you would wake up at like 9, maybe 10 a.m.? How many of you would wake up at like 11 a.m.? That'd be me. Anyone wake up at like noon, maybe? Anyone? Anyone? Right? We have this ability, this crazy ability to sleep. 
But it says here in verse 10, a little extra sleep, a little more slumber, just a little folding of the hands to rest. You guys get the sarcasm a little bit here, right? Then poverty will pounce on you. Poverty will pounce on you. Now, I don't care how much you sleep physically. And frankly, I don't think God cares that much how much you sleep. And some of you maybe need more sleep than you're getting, right? But what we do have is a laziness problem in our Christian world today. And I'm talking to myself as much as anyone else here, right? You have to ask yourself, where, where is this laziness, this Christian laziness really showing itself the most? And I, I turn to kind of our main, our primary responsibilities as believers. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. It's this great commandment where God says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. So how diligent is your prayer life? Are we finding those 15 to 20 minutes a day to give up and sit and read the word of God? Are we, as Taylor was talking about, sacrificially giving of our time and of our finances? Are we pushing ourselves in this area? This is a theme that Bruce covered so beautifully last week, talking about these spiritual practices, our inner, our outward, our corporate spiritual practices that are designed to bring us closer to God, but they take some effort, don't they? The second area that I see this Christian laziness in my life and around is the uh, Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. God, Jesus goes on to say, love your neighbors as yourself. So are we stopping to take time for our actual neighbors or for our coworkers? Are we reaching out to the people we know who are struggling? Are we living out those five love languages that many of you heard for our spouses, for our kids, for our siblings, for our parents, for our friends? Or are we allowing ourselves to get caught up and to get a little lazy in our love? And finally... Uh, it's uh, hard to ignore the Great Commission, which comes in Matthew 28, 19, where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. If you are a follower of Christ, then you are called to go. That is our responsibility between the time now where we choose to believe and that day comes where we get that eternal reward. Our responsibility is to go and make disciples. So are we intentionally being open about our faith in Jesus? Are we offering to pray for people, whether they be strangers or otherwise? Are we making Jesus more known in the world through our words and through our actions? Are we speaking Jesus or are we making excuses? Laziness, specifically by followers of Christ, has caused a lot, a lot of problems for the kingdom of God in our world. And the final section is verses 12 through 15. I'm going to read these to you one more time. What are worthless and wicked people like? Well, they are constant liars, signaling their deceit with a wink of an eye, a nudge of the foot, or a wiggle of the fingers. Their perverted hearts plot evil, and they constantly stir up trouble, but they will be destroyed suddenly, broken in an instant beyond all hope of healing. They will be destroyed suddenly. A different translation uh, would say, there will, therefore, calamity, destruction, calamity will come upon them suddenly. And so whatever these behaviors are that are being talked about here, they cause 
a lot of problems. They make a lot of problems in our world. And the, the subjects of these verses here are those who are wicked, those who are uh, unwise, those who are um, constantly lying, those who are deceitful, those who have perverted hearts. These are, these are the gossipers. These are the egoists. These are the ones who overinflate the truth for their own gain. These are the ones whose side comments cause a lot of discord in our world. And they know it. These are the ones who will do anything to get ahead. The ones who never seem to think of any others before themselves. The ones who have no trouble tearing others down. And if I asked you to name some of those types of people in your life, I guarantee each of us could do it. Myself included. But... What if we look in the mirror? I know that I have this crazy ability to bring others down so that I feel better. I know the types of judgments that go through my head on a daily basis. I know the problems that I have caused for other people because I was so set on my way of doing things. It's time to stop it. It's time to be problem solvers not problem makers in this world. There is enough destruction and brokenness and chaos and conceit and injustice and unfairness in this world. We are the ones, we, those who follow Christ, are the ones who have been put here to pick up our cross and to follow him, to set aside selfish ambition and to fight against the problems in our world. To be the problem solvers. So um, that's certainly not a comprehensive list of the ways that we've messed this world up, right? The ways that we cause problems. But I think it's more than enough for us to chew on this week, right? When we've trapped ourselves, when we get lazy, when we become selfish. We have a responsibility as followers of Jesus. We have a responsibility to fight for solutions, to fight for truth, to fight for others. And so, again, as you picture Levi there struggling to, he's caught in something, or he's trying to open something that he can't open, or he can't get the toy pieces back together, and he asks for help, and we hear him, and we always say, we always say this first, you know, be a problem solver, not a problem maker, keep trying Hillary's favorite is, do, you can do hard things. You can do hard things. And if you're facing a problem today that you haven't really tried to get yourself out of, God's wisdom here is saying, just give it a try. Keep trying. You can do hard things, probably more than you might even realize you're capable of. But guess what happens? A lot of the time, as Levi is trying and struggling and whatever it might be, he, he just can't quite do it, and he, he gets frustrated, and, and he, he always gets upset, and then he uh, struggles, and he fights, and then he drops his shoulders, and, and then he sighs, and he kind of gives up, and then he looks up for one of us with those sweet little three-year-old eyes, and guess what? 99% of the time, by the time he gets to that place, one of us is already standing there ready to lend him a hand. Because we love him. We know that we can help him and we want to help him. We don't want to see him struggle. And so you may be sitting here today thinking of the problems in your life and just thinking like, but I have worked. 
I have struggled. I'm, I'm trying to solve my own problems and I just can't seem to do it. I believe that God's wisdom says to us as Christ followers in those moments, just, just stop struggling for just a minute. Just relax your shoulders. Just take a deep breath and look up. Just look up. Chances are you'll realize that God is already right there with you, ready to help, wanting to lend a hand for whatever it is that you're going through. There are problems in this world that you and I will never be able to solve. But the unique thing about our faith, our belief system, something that no other belief system in the world offers outside of Christianity, is that God has already solved our problems for us. He has already done that. Here are some verses from 1 Peter that I really want you to hear today. 1 Peter chapter 2 says this, He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian the guardian of your souls. There's one more nature reference for you. We are the sheep. And oftentimes, even though we have the best of intentions, we still find ourselves wandering, right? Getting caught up in the wrong places and doing all sorts of trouble. I thank God this morning that he sent us a shepherd. He sent us a guardian, a savior to be the ultimate problem solver in our world, and in our lives, for now and for eternity. That cross isn't just here as some sort of religious, like, relic or some, some sign, some superficial thing that represents some religion. That cross is here to represent the open arms of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, who is inviting you in your problems. He says, come to me. Just, just come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are burdened, all you who are trapped, all you who are lazy, all you who are selfish. Just come to me. Come with your problems. Come with your pain. Come with your circumstances. Come with your confusion. I've already done what it takes to help you through the problems that you're experiencing in this world. Just come to me. And we have an opportunity to do that together corporately right now. As you think about whatever it is that's causing you stress or frustration or difficulty or pain in your life, we have an opportunity to come to Jesus. I Hopefully you had a chance to pick up your communion elements on your way through. If not, they're on a table outside. This is our way of seeing and experiencing physically that Jesus is here for you in your struggle. That he will always be there for you in your problems. That he is ready to help and ready to heal. And so all, all we do, we push downward first, peel off that top layer.
can hold this bread in your hands and remember that on the night that he was betrayed, where he experienced all of that rejection and all of that pain, Jesus took bread from the table, he broke it, he gave thanks, and he said, this is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. We'll take that together. And then after supper, he took a cup and he said, this cup is the new promise, the new covenant in my blood shed for you, for all people, for all time, for the forgiveness of sins, for the solving of problems. And whenever you drink this cup, remember that I am with you. Do this in the remembrance of me. We'll drink that together. Lord God, it's with humility. It's with uh, desperation that we come to the foot of the cross this morning. There is so much happening in our lives, in our relationships, in our work, in our school, in our world, God. And it, it seems feeble, it seems small, but the best we can do today is to thank you, God. Just say thank you with gratitude, with appreciation for the sacrifice, for the offer of unconditional love, God, for the grace that you've provided through what Jesus did for us on the cross. And it's to him that we come today, to him that we come this week as we tackle the problems in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.